to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. Just that tiny bit of treason. Just a little bit. Just the right amount. I'm Soup song. joined today by the amazing, wonderful Meredith Clark. Hello, everyone. And I have to say, stepping in last minute like a fucking boss because originally I had a different co-host scheduled, uh, but she got sick, sadly. Which is terrible, yes. but I'm always happy to have more excuses to hang out with you. So oh, I yay. love it. I love it. I love hearing that. So guys, I haven't been plugging this as much, but FYI, I have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. And if you sign up at the $5 a month tier or higher over there, you get to send questions that will answer on Light Trees and News. And we got a question the other day that I thought was really interesting And listen, so I host a show that is a five days a week podcast. Oh, sorry. I'm also drinking Drinking wine wine. right now. So (laughs) just just know. (laughs) It's a hot summer day and we're drinking white wine. Okay. It's that time of year. Extremely Real Housewives up in here. Yes. Uh, So I forget sometimes like what I have talked about in my real life versus what I've talked about on this show and my previous show, Citizen Radio. So Mary Ellen wrote in and said, Hi, Allison. I was wondering if you had an opinion on the reports of Matt Taibbi's time in Moscow. Despite following his work for years, I hadn't heard about it until more recently, months ago when he was promoting his book, but I kept forgetting to ask. The reporting that I read was that he and that his partner, Mark Ames, used to discuss their sexual exploits quite openly and at times imply that Russian women wanted to be forced into sex. Um, Anywho, he seemed to have gone off with a, I was young and did a lot of drugs and life was different there. And I don't remember you talking about it on Citizen Radio. Sorry if I missed it. Love the new format and design. Thank you, Mary Ellen. So this was one of those stories where I was like, <laughs> did I just talk about this with people in my own personal life and never on the show? It's quite possible that that did happen. But Mary Ellen, great comment. It's not really a question, but it will lead to a conversation. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I had heard about the Matt Taibbi uh, allegations. They're not really allegations because like they wrote about it. He and Mark Ames wrote about it um, when they were reporters journalists i mean they wrote about it like well in the exile I don't, like we can we can kind of get to this because yes. i i think like my presence here we can work on that when you but yes they right. wrote about it there was extensive discussion in their uh expat newspaper the exile mm-hmm. and then when the exile was turned into a book in 1999 there were several uh moments where they described deeply shitty behavior against uh people that you know we can get into some of the other details but there was rampant misogyny and uh harassment general fuck boyery yeah so i wanted to talk about this while you were here meredith uh because and we probably should mention this you worked with matt at rolling stone for many years yes yeah and i know matt um, because of the almost website he had, <laughs> and we had met and Racket Teen, what's up? Yeah, yeah, there was some discussion about me coming to work for them, and that fell through. But um, we both know Matt, and I, when everything sort of came to light, it was one of those weird things where everybody knew about it, but it like the general public didn't know about mm-hmm. it, and I wanted to get your take on it, Meredith, because I think Matt is actually one of those examples of someone who I think is deeply ashamed of his past and has actually reached out to people and tried to figure out if there is a way to heal or 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 work on himself he seemed to be um contrite in a way that was different than when a lot of guys are sort of confronted with their <laughs> shitty behavior of yeah, your. Yeah. Um and I I think that's absolutely true. I think that like the thing that is funny cuz I knew Matt for a lot of years. I started when I started fact checking at Rolling Stone, I was 25 years old, so mm. 10 years ago. Yeah. And I worked there <laughs> wow. Until 2013. I mean, I was a freelancer at first, but like I was first exposed to him like before the 2008 election. There was a lot of time that I had to spend working with him. And, you know, 
10 years ago was a while. I mean, he mm-hmm. was still in his early, mid-30s and very much still riding high from what he had been doing in Moscow. Like, didn't uh-huh. quite have a handle on, like, you know, serious financial reporting, all of this stuff. This is not to ex- excuse, just to say, no. like, where, like, set the stage for what that was, was going on. Yeah. And... We had a lot of we had a lot of conflict. He was not mm-hmm. always the like he was not always. He was never very comfortable taking serious criticisms from me where mm-hmm. I would say this is actually something you should change or this really does seem like a major issue or this is something you should work on and and or this is not appropriate and I think watching him go from these early moments where I we had a huge blow up at one point mm-hmm. and I was convinced I was going to get fired. Not because he was going to say anything, but because I was insubordinate to one of their names right. uh, to the point where I really deeply trusted him and everything mm-hmm. that he did. And he was so like generous and kind and curious and really was contrite about the way that he had behaved in yeah. the past. Like, uh, and I think yeah. too, like, and again, none of this is an, an excuse for inexcusable behavior. Um, but when when the exile was like, put this out, was the mid, like the early to mid nineties. Like, the which issue is, yeah. wasn't that his behavior wasn't shitty; it was. It was the fact that there was so much shitty behavior mm-hmm. going on yeah. that I don't feel like it stood out as much until recently. Yeah. But, but I will also yeah. men and, so. and people actually talking about stuff like this. But I will also say, given what I know about him, and you know, I'm, I, I guess there's all I can say is like. Given what I know about him and about Mark Ames and the two yes, of them, yes, yes, yes. Uh, because there has no one, no individual has come forward to talk about actually dealing with abuse from Matt. And I right. don't think that that means he didn't behave badly. Mm. I do think that it it is like I firmly believe, given what I know about his partner, mm-hmm. that much of the bad behavior that was being described yes. at the exile was actually what was happening with Mark, Mark Ames. That's, that's and, always what I've heard. Yeah. And not just obviously for Matt, because it would make sense if Matt was like, it wasn't me, it was all Mark, you know? Mm. But like, I think if we're going to talk about how people react and evolve as people, it's very important to separate them for the reason that... Taibi seems much more interested in like evolving as a human being. Well, and, and I think Taibi's biggest problem when he was in his early 20s, which also was the time he's written about, he was, I mean, a huge reason I think it would have been hard for him to be a serial harasser was that he's written extensively about how he was super on oh, heroin when he was so in Moscow. Fucked up. So like, fucked up. Yeah. So fucked up. I mean, yes, he was in an, a monogamous relationship with a person for that whole time, but. But that aside, that doesn't mean anything. He was really fucked up. (laughs) And I just, it's hard knowing how hard he worked to become a better person and a better reporter and to care about these things. Like like, reached out to you. Yeah. And and asked like your opinion on, in a way that didn't, didn't seem like he was asking you to do emotional labor for him. No, I think he was genuinely confused. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, as a person who has had, has worked with him and has been on the receiving end of shitty behavior from him. am always very, very willing and excited to try and figure out what's going on so I can potentially like support that because he has shown in the last certainly five years, probably even more a deep desire to be a better, like Mm -hmm. more thoughtful person. Like, I mean, it sucks that, and I mean, everyone deserves to have a reckoning with bad behavior. It is unfortunate that this book that he spent years working on about the Eric Garner case and about Mm -hmm. police brutality and about racism in the criminal justice system in New York city and the United States got overshadowed by, 
things from 20 years ago I, because I, I want very much to think yeah. I don't think the narrative should be this it's unfair that this guy is like right. redemption is not this but I also think that like he did good work and he put a lot of work into becoming sure. like good friends and close with Erica Garner and I I actually don't think that I'm worried about it because of him it's I much feel more bad for Erica yeah, Garner yeah it's like I I, I, I agree yeah. but at the same time you don't get to choose when the reckoning happens. And I, I think that's really important as well. Yeah. Where it's, yeah, it happened 20 years later. But until that moment, he never apologized for his shitty behavior. He never really fully confronted the fact that he and Ames were running around Russia as total fuckboys. I yeah. mean, now he has, which is great. But... I think that's part of taking your medicine. Well, you know? and you, also you don't this get is to choose yeah. when it happens. And this is these passages from that exile book have been coming up every eighteen months for the last six or seven that's years. That's the thing, and it will like and, flare up and then go away and then flare up. And again, yeah. so it was. It's that they happened this time around, and I, you know, I honestly, and this is like incredibly selfish of me in some ways, but the thing that hurt the most about this round was that. He wrote in one of his like very long, very personal essays about f- being a shitty person when he was younger and trying to become a better person about a, a moment that was really big for me in my professional life where mm-hmm. I thought that I derailed my career because I had yelled at him because right. he had written something that was incredibly silly. It was an early draft, you know, my best recollection, it was something like comparing Obama capitulating on the public option to a Las Vegas hooker deciding to take it in all of her holes. Uh, and I said, Matt, you can't say that. Yeah. It's not okay. And he was like, but and I, you can't say that. And again, 10 years ago, it ended with me shouting in the middle of the fact-checking role at Rolling Stone about eight months after I'd started, I don't have time to explain rape culture to you. <laughs> love you (laughs) 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 i don't have time to explain rave culture to you but it like i mean true true but also like and you know it sucked because it was an early draft when it was stuff that like maybe then an editor would have taken out and done this but also like i was not going to give him a pass on having that be in an early draft yeah when he could have just done it better and done it less explicitly and no i mean it worked out i mean but Luckily, like he, to his credit, and I will like his eternal credit, was annoyed in the moment, realized that he had done, took a breath, realized right. that he was using metaphors that were unnecessarily violent and ugly, and then came up with a different way to write it. And that's the thing, like, I, as someone who has followed most of his writing career, he doesn't need to do that shit. He's a, he used it as a, as a crutch in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And also every male pseudo journalist is trying to be Hunter S. Thompson, you know, right. in the beginning. Um, and his writing has not suffered for removing stuff like that. You yeah. know, he's still a brilliant writer. He's still screamingly funny, um, but he needed a good editor. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, I think that given what has happened and what we've seen, I mean, Jesus, just what we've seen from Charlie, like the Charlie Rose yeah. expose for the actually, last five months. We're going like, to we'll get to that, that in some time. But, I, but stuff, I think yeah. that there is a great example. Like you're right to look at, at Matt as someone who, yes, had plenty of time in his younger years, even not so younger years where he was not, you know, was writing things that were not good, that right. were shitty to people that were, uh, you know, cruel that were dim- like diminishing, etc. But I think that he is very deeply interested yeah. and deeply invested in finding a way to come out the other side of yeah, this. Yeah, and to me, and, like the know, other day, I was talking about how certain men are are society rushes to excuse their behavior to give them that redemption storyline. Mm-hmm. When it is unearned. Yeah. And in my opinion, Matt is working very hard to earn the redemption storyline. Yeah. Um, you know, he has apologized, but gone beyond that, you know, where he has had really like thoughtful, heartfelt conversations mm. with people. And he is obviously like very embarrassed by his past. Yeah. Well, and he's, he's started like he's been directing his work. 
yeah. towards issues that are not things that are sexy for people of his stature right. and status to do. And I think that in itself is not commendable in some sort of like, let's make it all okay and give him a sure. halo. But it does show that the guy understands that it's a, like life is about more than just staying out of yeah. trouble and actually like and doing something good with your profile. And having said that, I don't think anyone is obligated to forgive shitty behavior. So if, if none of that impresses you and you're listening to this and you're rolling your eyes and you're like, well, I still don't forgive him. That's totally valid. Yeah. <laughs> you that's fine to, you know, like I, I don't uh, forgive that shitty behavior. That fucking sucked. You don't treat women like that and get a pass. Um, I yeah. will say, though, like the one or two times that I was ever at a social gathering with Mark Ames and it was later Ooh. than 2 a.m., I have never felt so unsafe in my life. Nope. Uh, that's an entirely separate conversation we could have. And this <laughs> Sorry, is part guys. of the reason, guys, that I thought uh, I had already talked about this because I've had very long conversations with Meredith. <laughs> <laughs> also, guys, please, please, nobody um, quote anything out of context or or at Matt Taibbi with out of context stuff we've said sometimes people do that and I know they don't mean harm but if you quote us out of context uh, about this topic it could seem you know very different than what we were actually talking about on the show. I would be like deeply and truly horrified because I have nothing but like deep respect and love for everything he's ever done for me and like not and I but that's part of the reason I wanted to talk about this with you specifically because I knew you you know him better than um, anybody else I would talk about this subject with on the show, you sure. know, yeah. um, aside from Matt himself. But I, I knew it would be very nuanced. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you. Think, I think there's just there is a lot of space within what's happening right now to allow men who have behaved badly in the past mm. to start charting like to to chart a path back towards goodness and yeah. one of the things that's interesting and problematic about issues like this when things the the problematic behavior was many years ago mm-hmm. is how do you gauge what progress means yes. and I think that and I'm not claiming yeah. that it's simple to do that no I think it's a really complicated conversation that we need to have because I recognize that there are certain men who do try to improve themselves and, and do yeah. try to make amends for the terrible things they've done I'm not claiming they can always do that but no. I think Matt is an interesting example because he's in a position he's not um, a Harvey Weinstein or a Bill Cosby, you know, like mm-hmm. there there are different degrees of harassment and 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 stuff like that that we we can talk about. And he's an interesting example because he was one of those guys that almost felt like he was watching his bro misbehave. Yeah, and he was one of those silent witnesses mm-hmm. when he should have spoken up and he didn't. And he was like, "I'm trying to be cool," you know. And I think he does feel badly that yeah. he, he played well, that role. Yeah. Well, and, and when I have said like, look, man, that this thing that happened, like I know it was years ago, but I remember it, it was shitty. Like he has said, like, I don't remember that at all, but wow, I can't believe that I ever treated somebody that was supposed to be helping me do a better job at my job. Like yeah. in that, that, that way. And you I did, like, that's did. been real. Yeah. I mean, he did that. And also like the apology is real. And I guess like I, right. I want to, I, and, that, As, and that's yeah. your personal thing where it's like he has apologized to you for the shitty way he treated you. And, and that's your personal decision to be like, I feel this is genuine yeah, and I want to move forward with our friendship. And I, I think that's important too to honor your decision, mm. you know? Yeah. Well, and, and also like if somebody from, you know, somebody from the old days like came forward and said that something really upsetting had happened, like I would have to, I would absolutely take that into account. This is not a blanket no. forgiveness. It's that none of this is simple. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm so sorry. I just keep rambling because no, I, I no, feel I, like, I honestly like, feel like it's the reason we can talk about it at such length is because it's incredibly complicated. And, and that's why I wanted to bring it up on the show because and, and with you specifically, because it is so complicated. And I, I think it's important, especially when allegations concern friends and colleagues of ours, to be very candid about, like, yeah. about how complicated it is, about how we're feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure people listening um, can identify with what we're talking yeah. about. You well, know? And, I, and I think that, like, it's also just really important to note, as we finish things up, that 
the really high profile people, the marquee people, the bosses, like the ones that are the easiest, like not easiest targets, but like the sort of most obvious people for scrutiny are not necessarily going to be the people that are truly doing harm. And mm. it's important to know, it's like just from my own experience, you know, being an adult woman who's been in New York for 13 years, <laughs> like th- yelling, like, the fact that I was able to yell at Matt mm. ever was easily the healthiest experience I've ever had dealing with marquee male power. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I wish that more of my interactions had been like that as opposed to some of the other ones where I've had to deal with the gaslighting yes, or that like yeah. the creepy moments at the like happy hour bar situation, there's, et cetera. There's a lot so, of very complicated yeah. things women have to navigate in media. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. Anyways, like but <laughs> thank you so much for the question. It's a great one. Thank um, you. I hope that helped. I, I apologize it took this long to bring it up. I again I it wasn't that I was like consciously not talking about it on the show. Uh I've just recorded a lot of podcast episodes <laughs> and I can't remember what I talk about in my personal life versus on the show. But thank you for sending that question to Patreon. Um, and while we're still in the pop culture section, Meredith, I wanted to check in with you and see if there's anything you wanted to recommend to everyone. I have two things, and they are both on the absolute opposite ends of the scale of pop it. culture. Uh, one of them is it is finally like, well, winter is over in New York City, which means that it was like it 90 is degrees sun- yeah. today. <laughs> so now it is suddenly straight up crazy summer, yeah. which meant that it was time to bust out. Emotion by Carly Rae Jepsen, otherwise known as the greatest album of the last 10 years. Um, Yeah, she is such a um, summer artist. Exactly. Well, and since last year was when she gave us Cut to the Feeling, Mm. which is still a perfect song, I will tell you. Mm -hmm. And I will say straight into the camera. (laughs) Meredith is making aggressive eye contact (laughs) with the webcam right now. Uh, But I have heard rumors that... After writing hundreds, literally hundreds of songs, she may be getting close to getting some new music out. Ooh. So I'm preparing for that. Great. And also, if you would like something that's really going to upset you, Always. but in like a good way, yeah. if you haven't seen it yet, go see A Quiet Place. Oh, it was yeah. like, I, I saw it on that. Monday and, you know, I even had the benefit of seeing it in one of those theaters uh, that has the recliner seats. Mm, yes. And I still spent the whole thing, because it was cold on Monday, so there, I had a scarf on. Yeah. And I spent the whole time chewing on my scarf Ugh. in a sense of anxiety. I, I think uh, it was Charles talking about seeing it, and he's like, I've never been so aware of how loud I eat. <laughs> Because he was eating during it. Yeah, you should definitely not be housing popcorn during that movie. Um, I, it's so odd to look at that and think like, oh man, Jim from The Office really fucking killed it. But man, oh God, it's so good. He is a legit actor. He is. I wish he would stop doing like right wing. Oh, you mean like Jack Ryan, (laughs) the you know jingoistic <laughs> jack ryan the jacked years yeah, yeah i mean yeah. i know i wish but... you would knock that shit off but he is actually a very talented actor so, and i i believe that too and and i guess like the whole reason that the script exists and why they made the movie was he was brought in to rewrite it after somebody had the concept yeah, that was the cloverfield yeah. and uh but emily blunt's amazing oh she's so and, good i love her uh and millicent summer the uh young actress that plays their daughter is ac- is like deaf and is she is uh, yeah she's actually deaf she was in todd haynes's wonderstruck just yeah. last year okay. uh she's so good oh, I love so her. expressive and you know i saw krasinski on like seth meyers or something recently where he was like look my whole deal was like we had to cast a deaf actress in this part good and we found her and she was amazing and then she like taught them all sign language so there's like this whole other section oh. of dialogue where like anytime someone wants to talk about this movie as a movie without dialogue is a fucking idiot yeah because yeah. there is so much asl yeah. in this movie and it works perfectly. Oh my God. Deaf people must just be like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I'll ask my friend who's yeah. who's got two deaf parents, but like, yeah. I I was so fascinated to watch it because it worked so beautifully, mm. and everyone. It was so tight and small. I mean, there's like literally six people in this cast, yeah. 
and I love films like that. Uh, yeah. So that's my yeah. Those are my two great recommendations. Reps. Um, while we are still in the pop culture section, I guess we need to acknowledge Kanye claiming that four hundred years of slavery sounded like a choice. Can we also acknowledge that the TMZ reporters that were in the room with him gave him an epic smackdown yeah which i'm really glad they did i really want to be careful and i do want to stay in my lane because i am very much a white lady and i think there have been a ton of people of color doing a great job of of you know going after kanye on their own and i mm. would just like say um follow more diverse people on twitter <laughs> yeah if you're looking for literally read any book yeah like <laughs> read history um yeah that's also a great thing to do um but yeah i just i i guess i wanted to talk a little bit more about obviously that is an outrageous thing to say wildly offensive Mm -hmm. totally historically inaccurate all of those things um but also just to my fellow white people i i kanye's on a tear right now and we don't need to weigh in on everything (laughs) so you know like um People of color are, are dealing with him on their own. And, and that's like, you don't need to, to weigh in on everything yeah, yeah. he says. This is happening. And this yeah. is not the place where we need to be spending <clears throat> our energy when it comes to talking about slavery as a choice and or <sighs> the Confederacy. Yeah. We have a lot of places we could be putting that energy the other way. For sure. Um, I just felt like I had to acknowledge it because we've been talking a lot about Kanye on the show. And I'm like, oh, it's actually yep. kind of insane if I don't mention <laughs> that as well. Totally fair. Um, but yeah, obviously it was a totally fucking absurd offensive thing to say i saw like people live tweeting him on tmz and i was just like what the fuck is happening now um but i don't know if this next story belongs in the pop culture section necessarily but i didn't know where else to put it we gotta talk about dr harold bornstein um god i love this man and i know this is gonna shock everybody but apparently that medical report he wrote up of or medical letter (laughs) i guess it was more of a letter yeah was not medically accurate and uh bornstein told cnn that it was actually dictated to him by trump yes this is i I love this so much like so trump doesn't release his medical records he just has his personal physician dr harold bornstein a man that looks like he is definitely been rejected from mm-hmm. a late night uh, NY1 advertisement. Yep. Uh, he looks exactly yeah. like, if you imagine in your head right now, a shady doctor, that is what Harold Bornstein oh, looks yeah. like. Yeah. He's as shady a doctor as Ty Cobb is a lawyer, but we'll get to that oh, later. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, the idea that like Bornstein is arguing that it was okay for him to do this because it was dictated, but nothing was technically untrue because it wasn't about specific medical details that that meant that I just can't wait for this guy to lose his medical license. Yeah. I'm I'm also going to be shocked if it turns out he has a a real medical license. All right. It's like not written in crayon. No, I mean, this is the Dr. Nick of presidential doctors. I bet he went out the window after he talked to CNN. Oh my God. I bet that actually happened. I stand by that. I'm reporting it as a fact. Okay, guys, uh, that was your pop culture section. If you've been listening to the show for a minute, you know what's coming next. It'll be okay. Here is your bad news. Mm. All right, I have a few bad news items today, but it'll be okay because I also have a few good news items to balance it out. More than one good news item? I know. Can you even imagine? I can't. So, first bad news item, the Iowa legislature passed a heartbeat bill overnight um, taking clear aim at Roe v. Wade. Um, The bill passed the... Yeah, big boo. The bill passed the Iowa Senate in the early hours of Wednesday morning, shortly after the House passed an identical bill. The legislation would effectively ban abortion after roughly six weeks, which is before many people even know they're pregnant. The bill now heads to the state, uh, the state's Republican governor, Kim Reynolds, who has not said whether or not she will sign the bill. She's totally going to sign it. She's totally going to sign it. Um, 
In a statement to the AP, Reynolds press secretary said, Governor Reynolds is 100% pro-life and will never stop fighting for the unborn. That sounds like she's going to sign it. Yeah. So I have so many questions about this. And I mean, I guess I don't really have questions about this because this is the main strategy that anti-abortion activists have been taking, which Mm -hmm. is flood state government, like state legislatures with bills that then they pass and then see what they can figure out will stand through the courts. So right. it's interesting to me that they're doing it's this. It's like a shock and, and awe strategy. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, it's, this is interesting to me because Iowa is not that far from North Dakota where they passed a six-week abortion ban right. and it was struck down. So the only reason I can think of that Iowa is where they're doing this now is because Iowa might be in a different circuit court. Like, oh, there okay, is yeah. a whole thing yeah. where... Because all you have to do at this point, now that we know that Donald Trump has done his level best to get some real crazies into higher level and has been court really successful position. yeah yeah because that's what has been on deck for don't i'm not gonna get started uh but that was like but, one of yeah. their dream right it's like it's items like, yeah you well they're the great uncovered story of the obama administration was that there were so many there were a ton of judicial vacancies yep. in every at every level and now as soon as Donald Trump got into office they have been filling them Isn't left and right weird? with the strange yeah, it's Isn't so it strange so weird that that happened and so, they were uh, yeah. blocking Obama at every turn so now i can only imagine that Iowa and maybe a couple other places have uh you know are in circuits that would get them to the supreme court in a way that would make it happen. So, like, maybe they are in the Seventh Circuit, which is the one that's actually still kind of good. Yeah. And as soon as they get turned down, then they appeal, and then the Supreme Court says yes, and then the next thing you know, like, the Harvey bill is yeah. constitutional. Guys, isn't so. it fun to be in an actual episode of Handmaid's Tale? <laughs> like, we're in the, the flashback episode right now, where they'll show, like, me and Meredith doing a podcast episode, and then they'll fast forward to us in the, like, the red gowns with the white caps on, and I'll be like, what happened? And Meredith will you- be like, you goddamn know what happened. <laughs> we recorded a fucking podcast episode about it, and I'll be like, We oh, talked right. about it. We know, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry to get, like, super nerdy about that, but I do. No, please, please, uh, always get nerdy. Oh, wait, I'm also not going to apologize. That, I... Yeah. I do love me some circuit court drama. So, oh my god, yeah. um, and more. I wish more people were nerdy about <laughs> it. And I wish more people were paying attention to it because that's where like the really, really bad damage is being done. Um, so, another bad news uh, because I've been following this story on Light Treason News for a while. Um, a third woman has now come forward to accuse Tom Brokaw of sexual misconduct. And literally the other day, I was talking about how this letter had circulated at MSNBC or at NBC. NBC, News, um. yeah. And like Rachel Maddow and Andrea Mitchell had signed on to it, among other very prominent names at NBC and MSNBC. And I literally said, like, how many women are going to have to come forward <laughs> for people to believe them? Because I feel like that was a large part of the reason that the victims in the Bill Cosby case were believed after a while because there were so many of them. They all had identical stories. Um, So now we have a third woman coming forward and I'm like, and you know that's not the last one. No, of course not. This is just the beginning because he's been a powerful man for so long. Well, it also, this one seemed special to me because it was someone who actually had the experience so long ago Mm. and she decided to come forward because she wanted to make it clear that it was something that had happened back at a time when it was okay for powerful men to do that. Yeah. I mean, I guess that that was really what I took away from the latest accuser broke out accuser. It was like, she was just like, yeah, I thought like I brushed it off because this is what I thought we had to like, this is what we did at that time. But I'm lending my, I'm like speaking up now, not because I feel like I need something, but because I want to support the women who said they had different. Yeah more serious experiences and that like why why didn't more women do that before in other places like this that that woman 
gets it. Like, that's how you talk about, yeah. I grew up in it, like, I came up in a time that was very different. And right? <laughs> Not yeah. in a, like, a nostalgic way. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, it's uh, like, it was, nobody had rights and men could touch you whenever they wanted. It's like, yeah, it was a different time. But, and so I, like, went about my business. And then you don't write a, like, 2,000 word slate piece yeah. about, like, why you should just put up with it and then maybe marry or, like, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, whatever so in a similar vein um charlie rose an additional 27 women 14 cbs news employees and 13 who worked with him elsewhere have come forward to say that charlie rose sexually harassed them um and they were totally ignored and totally ignored management yeah. yeah yeah um which is uh this is over a period of 30 years CBS managers were warned of his conduct toward women at the network and did nothing. Mm. So speaking of like how many women need to come forward. Yeah. <laughs> and also finding out that management has known about this for over 30 years. It's like, I mean, how many of those people are going to lose their fucking jobs? You know? Yeah. They should. Well, <laughs> I mean, the, the thing that was the most, and I, I mean, heartbreaking in the way that like, mm the system still ensnares people you want to be good is that one of the people that was informed about Rose's behavior is currently the executive producer of Stephen Colbert. Oof. Yeah. Which is devastating. Yeah. And I, I mean like, and I, I haven't yet seen anyone kind of try to make that, a thing but I yeah. like I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet because I think like given how we we give yeah. people like Colbert like Jon Stewart um I actually don't give Jon Stewart that much credit but okay, like whatever yeah. <laughs> well, people have been posting like old clips of the Daily Show oh word yeah and it's wildly offensive like they yeah. used to make transphobic jokes all the time they actually openly mocked Dennis Kucinich for being supportive of transgender people mm -hmm. I mean, The Daily Show has skated by on so much stuff and never had to apologize or anything like that because they are, quote unquote, on the left. Right. And if you're on the left, you sometimes get away with very shitty behavior when you shouldn't. I mean, we just I've been covering Joy Reid a lot on this show. Yeah. Joy Reid has done terrible things and said awful things about transgender people and Chelsea Manning specifically. And for a long time, she was permitted to sort of skate by because it's like, but she's on our team. And it's yeah. like, no, I mean, that that's it's it's important to again, mm -hmm. like, you know, Joy did apologize on her show. I think it is important to give people an opportunity to confront their past, to learn from it. We were talking about Taibi earlier. Um, I think that's important. But in this case, the producer of, of Colbert we're not even talking about it. No. It's like, and, we and have to talk about it. And I think, like, if, like, Colbert has been, he has been great in an epic sense. I mean, he gave the yeah. first truly great, like, one of the only great White House correspondence dinners. It's him and Michelle Wolf. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. Yeah. And he was, like, and the last time that everybody thought about shutting it down was when he described the Bush administration is rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> oh no, not rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, but rearranging them on the Hindenburg. Oh. That was what it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's been so good in so many ways. And he's been so sharp on issues that are really important. I mean, he just a week and a half ago had Hank Azaria on mm. to talk about, yeah, the Simpsons and a poo mm -hmm. and got Azaria to say he would step you know, down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually get, like making news and like truly no, that, like opening up great, a door. Yeah. Like, but if his executive producer is someone who looked the other way when there was, and this happens a lot too, systemic sexual harassment, yeah, not just especially like, especially when you're yeah. like, uh, I guess by the time you're a manager at CBS, I mean, I guess no one's ever technically done climbing the ladder, but when you're trying to, preserve your job and get promoted and something like that happens it is very tempting to look the other way and be like i don't want to cause any ripples i don't want to endanger um, my own career especially with someone like you know charlie rose or tom brokaw these like pillars of the network yeah that no one fucks with yeah. you know the guys who are gonna get very very rosy montages <laughs> when they <laughs> finally retire and, and or die yeah. like yeah yeah 
and I and I mean, especially if you're a lower level person, it's like, why am I going to endanger my career? Mm-hmm. That was what everybody was saying. Not everybody. But several people came forward to say at NBC News they felt pressured to sign the letter because yeah. they're like, I'm a nobody, and this is Tom Brokaw. Sorry. But you know, I think that it's significant that people at NBC felt angry and empowered enough to speak even anonymously because that's true a year ago you would not have found a single person like they would have been shit terrified of speaking on the record that's really true and i think that speaks to how effective activists have been at changing the political climate with me too with time's up so now people feel empowered Mm -hmm. to speak up you know whereas otherwise i think like six or seven years ago no one would have said a fucking word you know oh, no everybody would have signed that letter <laughs> i mean the, the you know my yeah my personal feelings about the fact that like people like maddow signed it like are upsetting but also i'll balance that out with the fact that like ann curry goes on cbs now yes. to say yeah it was a fucking terrible place to work and that guy was an asshole and to everybody me. knew like- matt lauer was a piece of shit and i told them he was a piece of shit i love how ann curry is like i don't give a oh. fuck uh, all right, guys, enough bad news. Before you go out into the rest of your day, here is your good news. Woo-hoo! So, in your good news, and also keeping with the theme of shitty men. Um, Bill Cosby and Roman Polanski have been expelled from the Academy. Fucking finally. Meaning the Academy Awards. Uh, yeah, it, it only took, what, like 40 years? Yeah. Uh, for Polanski. Um, no, Polanski gets almost 50 years 50, at this point. Yeah, yeah. wow. Uh, Jesus Christ. But yeah, I, I guess better late than never. Is Woody Allen still in the Academy? No, he's still technically. The, people have already been talking about how the fact that like Woody Allen's still there. And I... I'm pretty sure we're going to get him before he dies, but... I didn't think you were going <laughs> to phrase it that way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we'll get him before he dies. But yeah, like, honestly, that's what it's come down to, where it's like, God, just let this asshole live long enough so we can fucking get him. This is a little bit of a tangent, but it, I had the same response today. Where <laughs> since they were able to catch the Golden State Killer, allegedly, through DNA evidence, through 23andMe... Now the police are sending DNA evidence from the Zodiac Zodiac, I saw that. And I was like, please. And I literally had that thought. I was like, please, God, let this asshole still be alive. I mean, he would be like in his 90s. He's probably dead. But I was like, please let him be alive so they can drag his old ass out of his home (laughs) and finally, like, put him in a courtroom. His home home, not his, like home yes. like, yeah. but I, yeah I mean the thing that I thought about when I saw the Cosby and Polanski news was how divisive it was when I was a teenager and there like I think Elia Kazan was mm-hmm. included in a death montage and there was a heavily divided like crowd mm-hmm. at that Academy Awards because he was a collaborator. You know, he named yeah. names to uh, uh, McCarthy yes. and Huack. And I will say, like, On the Waterfront is still one of the greatest movies of all sure. time. It's yeah. genuinely good. Yeah. And it sucks that it also is basically him justifying why he talked, but still fucking great movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, I, I saw that and I remember, like, was like Nick Nolte and his partner... Uh, like sitting in the front row of the Academy Awards, like not applauding yeah. while everybody else was. Yeah. And I thought about that and I was like, well, it is still possible. Like legacies don't, that was the first time I had this moment of like legacies are not set in stone as right. soon as you've right. passed away. Right. So it's still possible. Like, and these complicated moments and this debate will continue and it's almost certainly going to lead to more people like, you know, Alan and other fucking shitty directors. Like, you know, obviously James Toback's not going to get anything. But, mm-hmm. like, we're probably not going to think about Tarantino in the same way that we would have. Or, no, like, literally I, any director it'll that be interesting. darling of Weinstein. Yeah, it'll be interesting going forward to, like, see what what the standards will be. Because 
I mean, Bill Cosby is a such, monster. He's a monster, and like such a serial, like a a prolific serial rapist and predator. Like he Rowan had Polanski to, too, though. I mean, he's oh, no, no, like no, an absolute fucking serial but, pedophile. But what I'm trying to say is, like, you have to be that level of predator. Like Rowan yeah. Polanski is a fucking monster. You have to be that level. But it'll be interesting to see going forward. Like, what about you know uh, who? Darren Aronofsky is that who mm-hmm. I'm thinking of? Yeah, yeah. Like, what about him? Like, oh, you mean because of the Jennifer Lawrence thing, or like which, which like Aronofsky is like Requiem for a Dream? Oh, wait, like who, Mother, who, you're thinking who, about who was the one who like groped his trans niece? Mm. Not Aronofsky. It was no, it's uh, David O. Russell. David O. Russell. That's who I'm thinking of. Sorry, so sorry. Darren Aronofsky <laughs> is uh, creepy because he I'm, dated Jennifer is, Lawrence yeah. when they were making Mother, not because he did anything like. But David this O. Russell, why I'm yes, confusing them. But like David O. Russell, it's like so the Academy is defending their decision to expel Bill Cosby and Roman Polanski because they're like, well, they violated like our code of ethics or whatever it's called, like. You have to have like a certain degree of like social standing to be in yeah. the academy. And if you go around raping women, that violates our standards. But like David O. Russell, it's like, does that not violate your so, code of ethics? I mean, he's also on tape as like verbally abusing Lily Tomlin, yeah. one of the greatest comedic actresses of our time, in a way that is. That makes so, me so angry. <laughs> so violent. Yeah. I mean, the you can Google that yeah. easily and see it. And it is... How much bullshit do you think she's put up with in her life? Like, can you even imagine? <laughs> no, I oh mean, God. there's... I will say, like, I'm just going to say in my good news, uh, the fact that my parents can watch Grace and Frankie and, like... That is such enjoy an amazing it. show. Like, if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix, and it is truly a joy to watch. I know that's a little bit too pop culture for the good news section, but, no, like, no, no, let's just not. go with it as the life is kind of terrible right now, yeah. and we all have, like, you know, we all have some older like parents or parent figures or like older siblings in our lives like that is a show that really proves that if you're an older woman like if you're older than 50 like you should just rock it and not give a fuck a bad bitch you can have an amazing life you can be sexual and sexy and like it's such an amazing like empowering show it's so it is it's so totally is fonda and fucking lily tomlin like what else do you want no i mean yeah it's the jane fonda and lily tomlin as like roommates that like makes it best i I never realized that was like an act of fantasy i have until i saw (laughs) them i'm like oh my god i want to be jane fonda and lily tomlin as roommates living in a gorgeous beach house you mean until you thought about what would happen when dolly parton rolled in with her like glitzy rv to stay with them Mm -hmm. for a weekend don't forget uh lisa kudrow yeah, I mean, like, Lisa Kudrow, like, uh, June Diane Raphael's also in it. Like, the husbands, like, the their husbands who leave the, you know, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda for each other yeah. are played by Martin Sheen and Ugh. Sam Waterston. And they like, are amazing. It's like every, yeah. I mean, I, I escape into this universe because it is, like, my fantasy, like, like my fantasy mom and dad like have had a bad breakup and mm. this is what I get to do. Yes. It's, it's really important. It's like, go so for it. good. I can't recommend highly enough if you haven't seen it. Sorry. Um, Again, we've, no. we've derailed because oh God, I have apologize. derailed Allison. No, uh, Grace and Frankie is always in the good news section. <laughs> but I also love today that Rudy Giuliani randomly decided to reveal that Trump repaid Michael Cohen for the Stormy Daniels hush money. Right, so the second time Rudy Giuliani has gone on television and utterly kneecapped <laughs> Donald Trump. And then they have to rush to say, it, like, why this isn't, quote-unquote, technically illegal. <laughs> like, there was oh, a yeah. series of tweets from, tr- not from Trump, because everything was spelled correctly and not in caps locks. So whoever wrestled his phone away from him tweeted a series of tweets that was like, here's why this isn't technically illegal, blah, 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 blah. But also, nobody who was involved in tweeting any of that was a lawyer. So no, no. they certainly do not know what was illegal and what was not. Right. And also, the whole point of 
Trump trying to play the plausible deniability card was if he was linked in any way to the payments to Stormy Daniels, that's where all of the illegality comes right. into it. So Michael Cohen taking the bullet for him was saying, oh, no, I was respond. I was the only one who knew about this. I was the one who made the payment. It was me, me, me. So Rudy Giuliani saying, oh, Trump knew about it and repaid Michael Cohen is like, what the fuck, dude? Like that links him back to Michael Cohen and that links him back to knowing about everything. Yep. Well, and that's but that's also the absolute lack of communication between anyone on the Trump team. The fact that they have not had a competent lawyer working for them ever, ever <laughs> in the history of the they Trump organization. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I also think like sending Rudy Giuliani out there like a man who has had many a scandal in his own life around things. I mean, like. Let's not forget that one of his top administrative people, I forget what the hell was his name, doesn't matter, like got like taken down because there was a secret bachelor pad where he was like having affairs or maybe that was even Giuliani. It's been so right. long. Yeah. I can't remember. But the Giuliani administration had plenty of that. Uh, this is like the part that maybe that's why Donald Trump wanted him to come in to be like, just explain how you have, like, explain the mistress payments and then yeah. just like make them go away. And then Giuliani, because he's 77,000 years old. At least. At and least. also like doesn't have any idea what to do with his life except like <laughs> yell about 9-11. And why does he yeah. look more and more like Nosferatu? Like literally every time he emerges from the shadows, much like Nosferatu would. Um, but I guess the thing that he's like hanging his hat on is he's been saying it's not campaign money. So there's no campaign finance yeah. violation but at this I mean, point it's like, like that that's beside the point at this point it's like you have lied to investigators at this point i mean i i think so also it's cute that that's the argument that <laughs> it, they're using and i understand why that's probably technically okay mm. but whatever i took a campaign finance uh, class in college, which means um, I am almost brag, certainly. Brag, brag. <laughs> I was going to say I am more capable of talking about campaign finance law than than Donald Trump. So I'm just going to say, like, there is what the law ostensibly puts out, and yes. there is what the the body, like the regulatory bodies, will say. Right, and True. the regulatory bodies are often much more generous than. Uh, they might be, but there is no reason to say like up until very, very recently, mm -hmm. perhaps even until this election, I gave like, I told my lawyer to pay someone from his personal account to a person I was trying to keep quiet. Right. And then I gave him money would definitely legally mm -hmm. have counted as a campaign expenditure. Yeah, and like in a sane world, that would be like the nail in the coffin for Trump. But like, because we live in an insane world, I'm like, nothing's going to happen because Giuliani no. referred, or revealed this. Um, so before we run out of time, the last two good news items two have, good news. Oh my God. have to do with white supremacist Nazi uh, fuckboys eating it. Um, so the first one is white supremacist Jacob Goodwin has been found guilty of beating DeAndre, DeAndre Harris in a Charlottesville parking garage. Thank God. <clears throat> if you haven't seen that footage, it was actually, uh, shot by a friend of the show, Zach Roberts. Um, he happened to be there and he got the horrific hate crime on video. So, um, he has been found guilty, um, and he was convicted by a jury of felony malicious wounding for the attack. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously that is good news. But the second good news item I have to do with Nazis is Richard Spencer uh, is, suck in it! A, suck it, is in a little bit of financial trouble and took to the interwebs recently to beg for money. <laughs> um 
last week, one of Spencer's assistants quietly filed an order dismissing Spencer's lawsuit against a college. Days later, Spencer went on YouTube asking supporters for $25,000 to support him through a lawsuit against him and other actors in the deadly Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia last August that we covered a bunch um, on Citizen Radio. But yeah, fuck this dude. Guys, I also need $25,000 and I'm not a fucking Nazi. Yeah. Should I go on YouTube and make like a response, like a response video to that where I'm like, hey, I don't hate people. And also money, money, money. <laughs> I mean, you could do that and it would probably be more successful. I know. But like, because you're better than that. Yeah. But also, this is my excuse to recommend that people go back to the Internet and revisit the meme of Richard Spencer being punched uh, to the face. My God, I think that's one of the happiest moments of my life. When yeah. I saw that happen, I was like, oh. So I, I can they I. They never found out who did it, right? Well, no, we, they never did. Uh, no, that was, it was peak. And they Antifa, say like, superheroes like they, aren't real. Them, so I mean, he punched him in the face and he ran off and they've never found him. And that is still what? great. And I will An say angel. one of my. Uh, in the ways that memes spread, yeah, uh, a dear friend of mine did a presentation slash performance at a recent, like I guess it was a year ago or so, uh, about patriarchy. It was a drunk education about patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Guys, look up drunk education on uh, online. They may very well be coming to a location near you. Um, Is it like drunk history? They used to be called drunk TED Talks, but then they got a cease and desist, so now it's not allowed. Oh, wait, I got um, invited to do this, too. Yes, you did. Yeah, and yeah. I did one in which I talked shit about Jack Kerouac, and <laughs> it was pretty fun. Great. I but I had uh, another friend of mine did one. She was called in at the last minute to talk about patriarchy. Uh-huh. And she did it entirely about Thin Lizzie's The Boys at Rackintown. Oh. Premise of which was, what if the boys never left? <laughs> Nice. Also, it ended with the Thin Lizzy scored Richard Spencer being punched in the face, which Ugh. is how we all bring it back. That is how everything thing, should yeah. end. You know, like back yeah. in the day when um, TV channels used to actually go off air and they would play the national anthem. Oh, God. I feel like yes. instead they should show <laughs> Richard Spencer getting just a different one every night of the oh, week. It would be so amazing. So, guys, my computer is blowing up right now because apparently. The thunderstorms, like, you know how it rained for five minutes here? Yeah. Well, apparently in Newark, uh, Newark Airport lost power. So. Oh, my God. This is going to be terrible. is texting me right now because they re, like, they diverted her flight from Newark to Washington, (gasps) D.C. And my phone's fucking blowing up right now because she's like, well, um, wait, how are they getting home? Uh, we, she said we ran out of fuel and they need to find a new crew for us. LOL. Uh, and they made me check my bag at the gate. So I'm fucked regardless. Uh, but she's being very chill about it. I would be losing my mind. Oh my God. Um, so guys, we're out of time. I'm glad I ended this episode talking about Chloe's flight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but, but seriously, listen to all of the Richard Spencer getting punched in the face versions. Like there are so many just. Go either. Also, uh, Born in the USA is another good one. Yes. Yeah. Love it. Uh, if you haven't done so already, guys, we are 100% listener supported. So what that means is without your support, the show cannot exist. So please, if you're able to do so, go to lighttreason.news. Click the donate button. You can sign up to support the show for as little as $5 a month or a one-time donation. If you in any way value the show or what we do, please consider signing up to support it. Because otherwise, again can't do the show please follow us on twitter instagram facebook we're in all those places and yeah guys please follow meredith on twitter at meredith l clark follow rosie her dog on instagram just treat yourself and do it at rosa luxembark (laughs) that's rosa r-o-s-a L-U-X-E-M-B-A-R-K. Yeah, you've got it. Just a phenomenal name. And guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. If you've had a thought about anything we've talked about on the show, 
on Twitter, hashtag late trees and pod. Let's have a fucking conversation about it. Thank you for listening. And while you're hearing the sound of my voice, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>